Beers and Banter, episode 44. We've got Tony Wiebeck back in the house tonight. We'll uh, have a look at the NRL, AFL grand finals. We might pick an origin side and find out what's happening in the world of golf. Let's do it. As always, we're really appreciative of the support from the guys at Gripstar Socks. Gripstar Anti-Slip Socks feature panels that create traction that improves speed, acceleration and stability. Gripstar Socks are designed to deliver maximum comfort and flexibility, featuring a breathable mesh design that removes sweat and reduces odours. Perfect for high movement sports, working on your feet or lounging safely at home. Seriously grippy. Beers and banter. Welcome, Tony. Thanks, Red. Nice to be back. I was a bit worried you weren't going to invite me back for a well, while there, but well, it's been it's been a weird sort of a world in the last couple of months. I think we saw you in July. How how's it been treating you since then? Yeah, I guess like everyone, just grateful that we had some footy to watch, and um, amazing to sit here now on October twenty seven with two grand finals under the belt and Origin to look forward to, and we uh, we weren't sure that was going to be possible a few months ago. So uh, yeah, we should be very grateful that we got a footy season in and. We were two rounds in and the world sort of got tipped on its head and we certainly didn't know whether we were going to get our footy season and then to get the exciting footy season that we got was amazing. And I think for me, a lot of the way through it, you were waiting for the, I guess, the needle to come out of the, out of the, out of the uh, balloon and um, for one thing to bring it undone. Um, it seemed like we... The way the world was going, we were never too far away from it collapsing on itself. But here we are, and we, whatever, thanks to the great man PVL, we're uh, we've got a season under the belt. Whatever he did or who he employed, it's he's the, all the American sports. No other sports around the world have been, have managed to keep their sports COVID free for that period of time and get get what they've you know get their seasons in. It's amazing. What I did hear though was that there's potential that next season might be harder to get off the ground than this season. Because if the world's still the way it is, and, you know, if states, crossing state lines is as hard as it is now, that maybe the Warriors guys are not going to sign up for 26 rounds living away from home, and Melbourne's not going to sign up for 26 rounds away from home, and that everyone's been getting the job done because it just needed, it all sort of fell into place as it did, but there's potential that next year could be harder than this year. Yeah, the Warriors guys are very much aware that they could end up spending a lot of it next season in Australia again. And they've already, they've got an alignment with Redcliffe and there was discussions that they would be based at Redcliffe, play most of their games at Dolphin Stadium, but then maybe play a few of the big ones at Suncorp. They rejected that because they said if they come back, they want to be back on the Central Coast. Yeah, okay. So those plans... As crazy as it is to think, you know, I think many of us expect the world to go back to normal on January 1, but they're ready, they're getting ready to be based in Australia again. The only hope is that, you know, New Zealand seems to be forming part of this trans-Tasman bubble, that hopefully that if New Zealand and Australia can stay, you know, COVID-free essentially over the summer, hopefully they could play out of New Zealand and fly backwards and forwards. Yeah, even if it was a matter of them playing the first six weeks at home, coming over for two months, and then perhaps going home, having a bye for what could essentially be 10 to 12 days, um, stay within their own bubble, but maybe be quarantined from everyone else in Auckland, yeah. and then have another run of, you know, I hope they get some home games next year. I hope we can come out somehow find a way that, you know, ideally... Australia and New Zealand will be COVID-free and we can all mix easily, but I'd hate to see them have to go through another year. But, you know, and the flip side to that is they probably performed better because they had better preparation because they weren't travelling two I, days a week. I, I saw that in Melbourne a couple of months ago. You just saw that they had this real weird kind of man love sort of mojo going on amongst their team and you know it was like sort of what you'd see at the end of a long kangaroo tour or something like 
finishing each other's sentences. You know, they've got all their inside jokes. When Craig Bellamy started smiling in videos, I knew I knew the other teams were in trouble because just they, they just seemed to be on top of it, and they didn't win all the games throughout the year, but they just you could tell that they were just ready to, to play with play for each other, and and they had you know they probably knew what the, the other guy was going to do before he, before he did it himself, sort of thing, and sort of that showed on the weekend. They were they were very tight, you know. They've been living in each other's pockets for so long, and you know I think that could potentially could have been the difference. We shouldn't make light, I guess, of the fact that the families were either separated or had to be away from their homes, mm. kids uprooted from school. Those kind of things, you know, are, are certainly a, a big factor. But if you're a footy team packed away on the Sunshine Coast, hanging out together every day, doing nothing but playing footy, it's a pretty good environment to there's, be stuck in. There's no... It's very unlikely anyone's turning up late to training. No one's going. I would would assume no one was out playing the pokies till late at night, or doing other things late at night. Uh, I yeah, definitely there there would be an advantage, some advantages to doing that. Yeah, and it took away really, for better or worse, the life commitments you would normally have to manage on your day to day. You know, whether it's getting the kids to and from school or getting home for dinner or these kind of things all, it was like a big long holiday. I don't, and again, I don't know how many of the Storm players had family and how much of their family yeah. with them on the Sunshine Coast, same with the Warriors. But I think those environments and the lack of travel, you know, didn't hurt either of those teams. Teams like Canberra did it hard this year because even their home games was a four-hour bus ride for a big chunk. Not back, the back end of the year, I think they got their home games back, but... You know, Penrith had a good run, would have been playing fairly local most of the time. But, yeah, that uh, there were certainly teams that would have affected worse, that flying in and out on the same day. And we shouldn't underestimate what the Warriors have to go through in a regular season. Like, yeah. their international flights, uh, and I had it explained to me that when they have an international flight, they can't do anything the next day. They're, like, it's mandated by the RLPA that they can't come into the club the day after an international flight. So for them, so that's... not even come in for an ice session? No, nothing. They can't come to the club. It's day off completely. Yeah, right. So you take that out of every prep to and from, and, um, yeah, yeah, they've got a lot skinnier turnaround than many people probably realise. You compare that to the Broncos play at Suncorp Thursday night, ice baths Friday morning, probably have the weekend off, back to work Monday. <laughs> It's a big factor, I don't, you know, and we probably were a bit blind to it until we sort of saw what the Warriors could do when they had a proper week's preparation. Yeah. And before, without going too far into 2021, but the Broncos may not get that luxury next year. Coming off the season they've just had, will they, do you still, do you still think they'll pull uh, rank with Channel 9 and have a, a Thursday or Friday night game most nights? Well, it's they don't pull rank because they would love more Saturday and Sunday games. They would love Sunday, you know, I've spoken to Paul White in the past about, you know, it's hard for them to sell family memberships. You know, they would love to sell... Because Thursday nights are hard. Thursday, Friday night, you know, getting the kids home at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night is not ideal. So, I mean, if you could give them half a dozen Sunday games, I reckon they'd be thrilled, but it's it's the ratings and and who fills the void you know hopefully Titans. well that's the way it's looking <laughs> that's the way everyone's my, everyone's second favorite team now before we get too far down the track did what did you watch the AFL grand final firstly on the Saturday yeah i did yeah it's the most interest i've had in an AFL grand final perhaps for a long time perhaps just because it was in brisbane but i tried to get on the bandwagon the week before i was hoping i'd watch the lions and i was hoping they'd get up but Geelong were too good Gaz probably the difference there, Gary Ablett. So I thought I thought I'd put my put a little wager on over the weekends, you know, gamble responsibly, folks. But I thought Cameron Smith, Gary Ablett, Norm Smith, Churchill double, uh, which was actually harder to do through the app than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> was one thing. Um, but as it and and then I thought oh, I'll do a backup bet, Dusty and Nathan Cleary. Mm. So I basically put the mocker on most of them. <laughs> well, yeah, you're one out of four. Yeah. Gaz, Gaz has gone shoulder after five minutes. And that's, that hurts. I've coming off a dodgy shoulder and one that's only just been fixed after about 20 years of agony. 
that hurts. If, if your shoulder's a bit dodgy and you land on it like that, it's, it, it, there was nothing. He would have had nothing there. For, for, forget the pain. Your shoulder goes real weak, like because the tendons, you know, loosen or whatever. But you, you've got no power in it. And you could see him just grimacing when he was trying to Every tackle. Every time. But he played well, you know, considering. Um, it was a it was an incredible start. Like both, it's probably the craziest NRL grand final I've almost ever watched. It just seemed so bizarre and um, just haphazard. And the AFL grand final, the first 15 minutes of that was just carnage. They were just blokes, you know, not only Ablett, but the yeah, head broad, broad yeah. from, I think, from Concussion. Richmond. That was – and even late in the game, you know, I think it was another – maybe one of the Geelong guys went up for a contested mark and – Took his own player out. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. It's like they were incredible hits and, like, it was a, it was a really fascinating game because it looked like Geelong – my understanding is that Geelong, you know, they've been in and around it for a while and they just have this issue with getting over the last hurdle. And when they're up by 20-odd points in the second quarter, you think, well, they've probably got past the psychological challenge. Of mm. this. They're in this game. They're, they are. But I think once the momentum turned, they just couldn't find a way to, to rest it back at all. I was feeling a bit – I was unwell over the weekend, got a bit of the man flu, and I was struggling. And this is this is a case for not having late grand finals, but I was watching it in it. It's like seven thirty. Yeah, but it was nearly nine thirty by the time <laughs> it finished. I was buggered. Anyway, I was I was I was obviously starting to nod off. The wife grabs a remote and changes the channel, <laughs> and I, I'm like, "Hey, I'm watching that." And she goes, "You're snoring." <laughs> anyway, so I had to get, and she goes, "Richmond wins," and I'm like, "It's it's still got six minutes to go. There's only three kicks in it." And as it turned out, Richmond kicked away after that. But that yeah, I mean, three quarter time it was two points, and it was a. I thought it was a, gr- a really great contest. But then I, I do. You know, we don't see dynasties very often anymore in in modern sport, and I was kind of as much as I probably went in there hoping Geelong would win, just to break it up a bit. Yeah, um, it's something pretty special to see a dominant team come through and, and a dominant player to win three Norm Smith medals and do it the way he did. It was no – I think most people in the NRL grand final 10 minutes to go were saying, who do we give the Clive Churchill to? I thought, like, I thought Smith was going to get it for sure. The, uh, there was – the three circles of thought I saw were Nelson Asopa Solomona because he'd been so good in the middle, mm. Smith for the sentimental reason, and then he Pappen- scored a try and kicked all the goals. Yeah, yeah, and does what he does every game. And yeah. Pappenhausen for like the, the – uh, the brilliance of it, but the AFL grand final was no question. But for him to be so dominant in the biggest game of the year three times yeah. in four years, man, I, I, you know, I'm not an AFL expert, but they're already talking about top five ever and crazy and and rising. And the boys seemed like they were partying pretty t- pretty hard too. I reckon he's in that top five as well. <laughs> Going from some, <laughs> you of, know my favorite some of the thing, Instagram stories I saw over the weekend. My boys favorite thing about the AFL Grand Final in Richmond is, first was Jack Rewalt singing with the Killers a few years ago up on stage. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah. And then the post they did on Instagram uh, to the Dreams Fleetwood Mac, little viral video of Jack drinking out of the... Uh, out of the AFL trophy. Oh, so righto. It was, um, yeah, Jack Rewalt and post-game singing is a big, big part of my uh, AFL grand final experience. What did, well, while we're on singing then, uh, the DMAs versus Amy Shark. I thought Amy Shark got the chocolates, to be fair. I didn't see the AFL pre-game. I watched a lot of the, it's a snooze you know, fest. Um, like Shepherd and Wolf Mother and all that stuff, but I didn't, yeah, I'm not a... Shepherd went all right to, uh, at half time. They were, they were a bit better. Wolf Mother was good. Um, I didn't see that. Did the NF, NRL have half time entertainment? I don't think so. Not was that we saw. I, tried to, I don't know. I got distracted by the kids but, or something. But I thought, time. and I've seen, you know, and she's a Gold Coast girl and the Titans fact, fan. Titans. The fact she worked, when I first moved up here, I, Amy was still working at the Titans in their media team. And you're yep. like, Every time she's on TV now, I say to the kids, I used to work with her. <laughs> um, I know her. Um, and to bring out, you know, the guys from In Excess, I thought yeah, was a great, was great. Yep. little unexpected. Um, obviously, we can't get international guests this year. And um, 
you know, I thought that was a really nice touch and I thought she did a great job. And, you know, considering at the start of the year, they were talking like potentially Tina Turner back to sing simply the best. And obviously that was, I think that was long odds before coronavirus. <laughs> but did you see that Sportsbet found the uh, saxophone player from that grand final in 1990 or whatever? No, no, no. Like they did an interview with him. Oh, right. They yeah. posted it on their social media and, um, you don't realise until you watch that video of Tina Turner singing the grand final, just how central a figure that guy was thrusting his hips playing the saxophone. It's hard because part of me wants to just stay in that nostalgia forever. And and my wife and I were talking about it on the weekend because Amy Shark was copying it online. Oh, why have they gone with Amy Shark? It should be Barnsley and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, you know, part of me says it should be like Aussie rock every year from the 90s or early – from the 80s. But the reality is, like, it's you've got to engage. That's good for my generation and older, but it's the people younger than, than us. They're the next NRL diehards you're trying to inspire, so you've got to get them. The best one I reckon footing. we've had in recent years was Macklemore. Because yeah, pretty good. even in our house, so my daughter must have been three or four at the time. She was up and into it. My son was enjoying it. I was enjoying it. My wife was enjoying it. Like... Mm. That was a moment that went global. You know, that yeah, was... We, we saw him at um, Botanical Gardens in Brizzy, probably that same year. What, just walking around? Or? No, as in, no, no <laughs> in concert, in concert. It wasn't the best concert, but I think it was the venue more so than the artist. But. I, I thought that they... And it, it came at a, you know, an important, I guess, social time and mm. it, it ticked a lot of boxes, I think. The ones that are most memorable to me, like I saw Birds of Tokyo at the Origin a couple of years ago and bought yep. the album when I got home. Yep. I sang three songs and I'm like, this is, it was That's perfect. Good. It was like the perfect pump up. I actually pitched on Twitter, we should have, this is before COVID obviously, but to secretly fly Metallica in <laughs> and just have the dun, 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 playing in the background, the Enter Sandman building up and then you cut to them. What about Angus. ACDC are about to launch a new album. Yeah, it sounds like all the other. Have you heard it already? It sounds like every other ACDC I'd, song. I didn't think I needed another ACDC album, and I certainly didn't think I needed another tour until I saw that they'd assembled the, it's all the old firm. So it's Phil Rudd back on drums. You've got uh, Brian Johnson back on vocals by some <laughs> scientific m- miracle. Uh, they've fixed his hearing. But, yeah, I I certainly didn't want to see something with Axl Rose at the front of it. Because I've seen him three or four times and I'm a, bit, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan that come from my brother's influence. And, you know, a lot of people in my family love ACDC. But I was like, do you know what? I've seen enough. We don't need any more albums. Um, but apparently this album is basically... Ballads? Well, it, <laughs> this album is <laughs> That'd to... That'd be a surprise. Is to Malcolm Young what... Back in Black was to um, Bon Scott. Okay. So it's like this is a tribute to Malcolm. And okay. Where Black, back in Black was for Bon. So I'm willing to get behind it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll sound like all the others. It probably will. It probably will. <laughs> they've had some, they've had, you know, their early 90s, 80s oh, don't stuff get me was wrong, brilliant. Like, for a grand final, it'd be perfect. It's but, Shoot a thrill or something. Oh, oh my any God. Any of it. But do you know what? Amy Shark with the guys from In Excess was a good combo, I thought. Yeah, and I, I think that's where we get things. I went to the Arias years ago and they had Silverchair with Midnight Oil. Those kind of cross-generational, yeah. yep. like when you're not expecting it and they can pull it off. I think maybe that – essentially that's probably what the AFL were trying with with um, Wolfmother. But he had, uh, who who was he with? Who, it wasn't just oh. Wolfmother. It was the dude from Wolfmother. Yeah, it was just, yeah, Andrew Stockdale, I'm, whatever his name is. But I'm not very good with music. We get very excited about Grand Final Entertainment. It's probably the toughest gig in music. You're, mm. you're singing to 50,000 people who aren't watching for the most part. They should definitely turn it into a, like they should play one or two songs, but then they should turn it into a live concert after the. Well, that's what I think the AFL did really well with the Killers mm. a few years ago. That was like. They played a couple pre-game, but then, you know, they sing Mr. Brightside and Jack Rewalt gets up on stage while after winning the premiership and um, 
you know, yeah, they sing three or four more and you've got a reason to hang around and it becomes a concert. I think that's a great idea. But yeah, um, yeah, grand final entertainment, we could fill three podcasts with it. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It's, it's, it's tough gig, tough to book. You've got to find someone that's trying to promote it. I think they're doing a little bit better than a couple of years ago. It was just whoever the judges were on The Voice. <laughs> that was horrendous. And the national anthem was sung by whoever was doing the the theatre production in town that yeah. week. Yeah. Anyway, too much time on that. Overall, what did you think of the NRL season once they got it back underway, the new rules? Like, anything stood out for you? What do you think? No, obviously the score lines got broader, wider. We saw a few more blowouts, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. We shouldn't dumb the competition down for the worst performing. We should make them elevate themselves to the top team. So, no, I found it really entertaining. And, and you know, at the start when Peter Volandis was changing rules every week and you think this can't, you know, like one wrong foot and the competition sort of falls on its head. But he hasn't put a foot wrong yet, really. Um, so, yeah, two, one referee... We're not going back to two referees. I hope not. There was a couple of there was a couple, there was a couple of little um, controversies in the grand final. One was the the obstruction ran behind the player, kicked to the corner try. That was no try, in my opinion. Agreed. Sort of, but there was other cases where players running behind players and it didn't get pulled up. You know, it's one of those things that. Gets less scrutiny if, you, if there's no try scored off yeah, it. Yeah, if you take the advantage. But when we were kids, if you ran behind your own player, it was just an instant... Hand the ball psh, over. Th- yeah, pass the <laughs> ball over. And that's, I don't know, when Joey's blowing up from the commentary box, that's what my old man was like. Well, when if Joey's saying they don't even know the rules, surely there's got to be a button to like override it. But that there was that one. I didn't think Jerome Hughes was, was a professional foul in the sense that I don't think he changed direction. I don't think he'd stepped... One way or the other, he just stopped and braced himself. and He knew he was going to clean him up, but he couldn't. there was nowhere he was going to go anyway. I've got no doubt he did it on purpose, but yeah. I don't think it's worth a sin bin. Um, hectic cheese, that was probably a sin bin because he was, he was doing it. <laughs> on, he, was, he was just hanging on, waiting for the penalty. It was a good – I heard someone last night talk about the last time a team finished in a grand final with 11 players and won. Yeah. It, it must be. the. I haven't seen the – Stat brought up, but I haven't. It must be the first time that's ever happened. To finish with eleven, yeah, I'm sure someone could could correct us there. Tell yeah. us in the comments below. But I'm <laughs> sure, I, yeah, there've been some wild grand finals in the seventies, but yeah. So they they got a try. It, you know, the skeptic in me goes, well, they were trying to play, they were trying to make it a, a closer finish than it was than it was shaping up to be. But who knows? I, I think the chaos started in the from the kickoff. Yeah. It was like Marty Beller in 94 all over again. <laughs> like it was he, – he just thought and – and I think Penrith did get flustered by the fact that it all went wrong for Melbourne in the first five seconds and they, but they just couldn't get that try that Canberra did 25 years ago. Like Every time they kept him out, it was, it was a little it, bit it harder. It just felt like off the kickoff that, okay, here go the Panthers. Look, they're yeah. on the attack. Here they yeah. go. And I think they got caught up in that for a bit as well. Um, and then, of course, Melbourne go the other end, get a penalty try, which I personally thought was a bit harsh. Um, you know, I don't think he kicked the ball out. I think he put his feet where the ball was headed. Mm. But there are other players in the area. It was close to the sideline. I don't know if I would have – he could have, you know, if he hadn't put his legs but put his arms there, does that – As soon as that happened, I was like – it's going to go penalty try. Really? Because of the way they've interpreted that rule over the mm. last few years. I'm not necessarily a fan of, you know, that rule was brought in to stop players getting kicked in the head. Yeah. Now, if you're like basically on your butt trying to st- stop the bloke putting the ball down, you should be able to put your feet under the ball, which is essentially, it's not like he was striking out with his foot to, no, to, to dislodge point, yeah. the ball. So mm. potentially it's, I knew as soon as it happened, it was like, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll pay that or, mm. And even the commentator said it's either a send-off or a try. So, mm. um, And then, of course, Panthers go the other end and get denied a try with mm. an obstruction call, which is fair enough. Yeah, it's the right call. Um, it just felt like their opportunities had just 
passed them by in the first 10 or 15 minutes and all of a sudden it was 10-0. I still, like, Gus Gould's copped a hammering, but I was along his line of thinking of that Penrith were actually going really well. Midway through the first half, they were on top, well, except the yeah. scoreboard said 14-0. Yeah. We, we spoke about it last time you were on the pod, like tailored content for members. And I wonder whether we've reached the point in time where you should be able to like select which audio you want. It's 2020 for crying out loud. Well, yeah. And we, most people I know, that they'll, they'll, they're spewing and come grand final weekend because they're, part of the reason they've got Fox is so they don't have to listen to Gus. So when they're forced to listen to them on a grand final day and Panrith, Panrith Panthers <laughs> are playing, like... It's just makes their ears bleed. And you and I spoke about, you know, we, as members, you want to hear a biased call. So all the Panthers fans would be loving Gus being on the commentary or Brandy when it's his turn. But maybe it's time that I think a grand final should be someone like Andrew Voss, who's, I could, I'm sure Vossy has it deep down in his heart, has got a team that he goes for, but you wouldn't know it from his calls. He's fairly agnostic. And there's a few good guys. Same with Rabs. Rabs, obviously. But when you've got, you know, Gus and Fatty and Sterlo and that, you know, you know where they're biased. Freddie, John, Andrew Johns, like they're all they've all hard and fast with the team. Now I know they're the greats and that's they're, they're chiming in with the expert opinion. But for Gus to be part of the 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 live call, you know, I'm not a fan of that. His greatest crime might have been to be seen trying to seem to be unbiased yeah. because I, like I say, like I think he's the most insightful analyst that the game has. I think whether he's gone beyond kind of his own. Um, so you look at with him through blue eyes, whereas I look at him through maroon eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I, I just think he says things. And again, I agree with the fact that he was talking about when they were 10 and 14 you points were, down. Yeah. I, I, you could sense that Penrith were actually winning the contest. Was was one of them a when it got to twenty two? Was one of them a intercept? Yeah, so they've had a penalty try and intercept. Yeah, sure. And um, but in the run of play, I, I felt that yeah, Penrith were going pretty well. Um, Fourteen nil to twenty two nil by half time was the killer. Yeah, if they could have been fourteen nil at half time. Ideally, fourteen six. They go into the sheds, tails up, and we talk about stats. Melbourne Storm being up by twenty two at half time. They're, they're not going to lose. There's not many games in in the last ten years that no. they lose. But um, yeah, but yeah, the uh, well, the, we're the cracking anti, stubbies. The anti the anti Gus was uh was rife on Twitter. That's for sure. Yeah, that's I'm surprised people standard. were surprised, and maybe he should have been overtly biased and. Were, Maybe people would have. He tries that sometime at Origin. He tries to talk up, you know, the Queenslanders, and and, and that just rubs people the wrong way as well. I reckon because they can just see through it. Yeah, but with Fatty, we seem to think it's charming. Because Fatty's our lone ranger. He's usually <laughs> sitting at a what desk is... with five other Blues. Great. JT and well, Lucky st- we're starting. We're starting to infiltrate there a bit. Wally more. and he got a few in there, a few handy ones. So we're on the James Squire broken shackles. I've never had these before. It was a bit of a mystery pick at the um, at the checkout the other day, but they're going all right. Yeah, very, very smooth. One point three standard drinks. First time on the pod, going all right. Welcome, James. Um. So yeah, overall, I thought it was a good season. Titans. I tell you what, the. the can we, start about, in, can we start the 2021 next week? We were robbed. Titans should have played finals this year. Just be eight teams glad they didn't, or seven. There, there was a couple of teams I reckon would have been very happy they didn't slide into the eight because there's a couple of teams that were not in great form going in and we were in red-hot form. I feel like we were robbed against the Sharks, raw deal against the Roosters, and I don't think Penrith convincingly beat us. No. There's three games there that... You think if one of those is a different outcome, and we can blame ourselves because we started, that's what makes the start of the season so hard to deal with is that when you look at how well that group went at the back end of the year, you think one more game. Should we mention the elephant in the room here? The send-off? No. What's that? The last time I was in this studio, (laughs) I had just taken membership. Pledged your allegiance. 
Did they lose a game from that point on? Not many. They, the, the, the Titans, uh, the Titans um, execs Steve would Bumper. certainly be happy with your support. You also pledged your allegiance for the Suns around the same time, and they fell off the fell off the side of the world. They did drop off a little bit. They were competing really well. I got excited. They had a couple of one point losses, sort of not long after my membership. So have they asked you processed. to stop stop promoting. Them? No, I've already had an email saying let's come again next year. So I'll be there. But no, the Titans. The did you get too many games this year? Titans, I did, and yeah. it was great. You know, having moved up here in 2013 to cover the Titans. Um, it was great for the last three games of the year to sit in the, the northern stand and yell at the refs and yep. cheer the boys on for three wins, I think it was. So um, I know the kids and I know a couple of members and it, look, it was a hard year to keep people happy, but I, I know a few people that are long-term seat holders and they didn't get to sit in their seats at all this year, which is tough. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we all get to just jam back in there next year because I reckon it'll be a full house. But we had the record crowds for. Yeah, I was at that game. I think that, that was the Broncos the game, wasn't it? Well, I think we had the top three. I think the last three games were nine and a half thousand, roughly. I think they were the three highest regular season attendances. Yeah, it was good. So um, we can build. The beauty of it is, we, I think we feel like we've got a team that can build from a solid strong base you know they're going to come back in a few weeks time to start pre-season and and know that they can be competitive and be bolstered by the signings that they've made yeah and not relying on them to lift them up i I think the trust and belief that will be building the group will be their strongest asset shame to see a couple of guys leave I I, i think ryan james deserved to be at the club when it's on the up and it's just a shame of his you know he's probably where his knees are at or whatever, and the club couldn't come up with the money to keep him. Um, so, you know, I would have liked, for all the years that he's been there when we've been, haven't been going as good, it would have been good to see him be there. But I think the fact that they've kept Kevin Proctor's, I think that was a good move that yep. you're going to have, you know, an, an experienced head to lead these young fellas around. Um, Jared Wallace was in good form at the yeah. back end of the year. Yep. Uh, and then we've got obviously Tino, Herman SASA. For feeder, chiming in, and then you still got Mo. You got Sam Lasoni. Both those boys had great years. Um, J- uh, Jolliffe, a four pack looks red hot. The guy I knew nothing about, who I'm excited to see develop over the next two three years, is that Bo Firma. Yes, yep. From the first game he played, he he just was that, and I think that's something the Titans have lacked is just someone on an edge who can create opportunities and find space. And it seemed like every time he took a run, he Ended up in the backfield, just didn't know what to do when he got there. But Brian Kelly uh, oh, had a great season. Really finished well. And do you know what? I, I thought I knew AJ was good, but I was like, you know, you can't expect him to carry this team. He's still a young fella. But when he came back into that team, it's like they went from like you know when you play touch footy but you walk. Yeah. It was like the team went from that to everything in, yeah. in fast forward, and that's I think they've been like they've been in slow motion a little yeah. bit over the last few Three years. One paced, yep. Once he come in, they were just everything was just fast, and it was just everything you want out of a fullback, just blowing blowing a hole open. Yeah, I, and it just his threat creates space and time for the guys inside him because you can't compact your defensive line because you think, well, if he gets on the outside shoulder mm. of me, I'm dead. So you create that extra space in the defensive line, which gives Ash and Jamal that extra space. Kevy Proctor came storming back into yep. the form we hoped he'd... He was robbed. He was... I don't know if we've spoken since then, but that Sharks game was an atrocity. And and thankfully, it's probably... You know, it'll get forgotten regardless of... Um, if you keep bringing it up, it won't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we were robbed of that game. We should have played finals because they should have been two less and we should have been two more. Um, but he was in great form at the back end of the year and he deserved to play those games, I thought. But And I think part of that is the the presence of AJ and, and just how well he was playing because if you can if you're looking at the guy running behind at the back, mm. then the guy that's running the line at front, if you hit him, then he's gonna have less defensive I, I, attention. I think it was there was no extra effort there. He's always he's always putting that Absolutely. effort in. But when you're putting that effort in to plug the, plug the gaps, as opposed to putting that effort in around a team of guys that are full of energy and going forward, well, then 
obviously it starts to starts to stand out. But mm. yeah, I'm really excited about next year. The team team looked really well. And then you got Ash and um, Jamal Fogarty going to go around again together next year, which will be, gives us some. I don't think we've had that sort of um, stability stability in the yeah. halves for a while. What's the one position that you would have a question mark over? Um, I think it's hooker at the moment for us. I agree. Because Mitrain played great at the end of the year. Because I've not. The, I still, I still, I'm still a fan of Nathan Peets. Mm. I don't know what he went from being New South Wales best player to to not making the Titans team. I still, I'm still a fan of him. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, I'd, I would. It's a shame to see him go and you know from from where he was in his career as well. I think the modern game demands a hooker that can take advantage of a quick play of the ball. That's not Peetie's strength. He's the toughest competitor in that club, the fittest bloke, the guy that holds a standard that other guys have to reach. But if you if you look at the – I mean, Cameron Smith's the exception, I guess, but if you look He's at – He's not exactly exploding out of dummy half. No, but if you look at Damien Cook and Appy Corusau and these kind of guys, you've got to be able to get your forwards moving across the advantage line – or creating, you know, and Mitch Rain had a great, I thought he had a great, I'd love to see a young hooker from the coast you, you emerge. Talk, you talk about elephants in the room. Mm. I was sitting there, 9.30 Sunday night, waiting, waiting for an announcement. Not going to happen. And he kept saying, just lastly, and I thought, here we go, here we go. I'm watching the footy on my own because kids are not interested. It, you, know, oh, you, know, you know, the great man's about to announce his retirement. No. Thank the Victorian people. I'm like, oh, yeah, but it's coming after this. Nothing. The kids are already at school here on the Gold Coast. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if he hasn't allowed himself the time that he wants to actually sit down and consider it. It was, it was a really nice message after the game from Brandon Smith. He said, "I want him to play again. I want him to carry me to another two rings." Yeah. So that's a fair call. <laughs> I mean, I've, you know, I've been, I used to write Cameron's column with him for big league for a season. We had him as a, yeah. a columnist and he would, I would message him Monday, say, all right, mate, we'll catch up and we'll do the column. He crickets, he nothing. Tuesday morning, okay, mate, deadline tonight. <laughs> Can we get this column knocked over? Because he'd like, to, you know, you'd always send it back to him and just for an approval. Lunchtime would come, haven't heard from him. And you think, do I have to find a new columnist this week? What's going to happen? Yeah. Three o'clock, he'd just ring you and go, all right, mate, how you going? Do the column now? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> nothing. Like, You've got an editor up your ribs waiting for a for Well, a I was the editor. So yeah, right. I, I always had all the <laughs> pressure hanging over my head. So, But it was no – we always got it done. And, and I, I was talking to my wife the other night. I honestly think there's a possibility that's that, a storm in the background yeah, rolling as we're talking yeah, about this it could be a bad it, it might be Cameron might be orchestrating that as well it wouldn't surprise me if he hasn't he's so focused and so intense on what he wants to achieve that he might not have sat down for two or three days and mulled over exactly what he wants to do talked about it with his wife considered the family I wouldn't be surprised if he's now sitting down for a few days working it out he might have indicated... Maybe he's not got that theatrical streak like I do. You know, like some people, you know, you know, some people to pitch it at, like, hold the cup and then, like, claim it and drop the mic. I'm out. See, whereas he's just like, there was a job to do. I did the job. I honestly think that's a possibility that he was so focused on getting them to that point on Sunday night. Because some people are like, oh, it's him, it's him making it more about him because the, long, the longer he takes... You know, the more questions get asked. Whereas it's probably the opposite. He, you're saying he literally, he's not about the theatrics of on grand final day, I'm going to, you know, go out in a blaze of glory. It's He is not thinking two weeks ahead. I'll see how my body feels, whether I want to line up for another off-season, and that's when I'll make the decision. He's not thinking two weeks ahead, let alone a it's month crazy. ahead. So, But there's, there's got to be some family. As a family, they're, surely they're planning because... Like, yeah, I, like, like if the family's living here already, that to me that says two options. 
He's coming to the Titans. That's our hooker's problem solved. Mm. <laughs> nice, nice solution. I don't think he will, but hey, I'd love him to. That'd be great. Um, Let him have him until February buying, off. If he announces it for the Titans, I'm buying tickets to Sydney first weekend of October. <laughs> um, or, or he's going to commute back because uh, like, family's going to be here and he's going to play another season for the Storm. Yeah, I think they're both – or he retires and or, – Or he retires. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I genuinely think they, that is probably the conversation and the consideration he's giving now. Hands down, he definitely deserves to make whatever decision he wants. He is the greatest player to play our game. And maybe not the most talented, but he's certainly the most dominant player for the period of time that he's been to be able to control the game. And, and you know, like, it's not like he, he – people aren't going to think back and go, oh, what, remember that sidestep? Or do you remember that 30-metre ball that he threw? Or, you know, it's going to be just game control that – you know, just, and and he's going to have his hate. He's he's a bit. People talk about, oh, have you ever seen someone booed, or have you ever seen someone so hated? Like, yeah, yeah. His name was Wally Lewis. <laughs> he was pretty. <laughs> where, good too. where were you guys in the eighties? <laughs> the thing with Cameron that I've said to a few people in the past week or so is that whether he's the most talented, skillful goat, whatever you want to call it, yeah, he's the most in tune rugby league player I've ever seen. Mm. He under somehow. Obviously, his dad, Wayne, was a good player as well. But he is so connected with what rugby league is about within him. Somehow in his DNA is how rugby league works. Because he understands it, Dick controls it, like you say, and just plays the game in a simple fashion that is so effective and so dominant. I've never seen someone so – Peter Sterling, when I was a kid, was the guy I thought – controlled a football game better than anyone. But he just somehow knows three plays ahead of time what's going to happen. You and I were talking about it before, about, you know, the great players that come through. And I said, was it was it the players or was it Melbourne? Maybe it was Cameron. Yeah. Because, it, yeah. because uh, again, uh, Sir Hectic Cheese after the game basically said that Smithy does all the coaching and Bellamy gets paid a lot of money to do nothing. <laughs> Which I'm sure they've they've got some weird relationship because I don't reckon there'd be too many blokes who'd be willing to say that on national telly <laughs> about Craig Bellamy. But he is that common denominator that's when we go, oh, Jesus, Storm have been dominant and they've got this ability to churn out. The, you know, the, how did they line up and get all those great players at once? And it's like, well, there's there's two common denominators. Craig Bellamy and Cameron Smith have been there the entire time and you've just watched them transition from potentially producing three potential immortals through to now you've got Munster, Grant, you know, Hughes, Pappenhausen. You know, they're just, they've just, the production lines just started again. And Cameron's, Cameron's the d- common denominator, but arguably Cam- uh, Harry Grant was better this year in his position. You look at the guys that won a premiership on Sunday night. Branko Lee, Jerome Hughes. Uh, Two ex-Titans. Ryan, Ryan Pappenhausen. Yeah. Um, Kenny, well, I... Kenny Bromwich was not on anyone's radar. And now he's, you know, for, for all the Storm have achieved, you're right. There are There is something in that system that Craig and Cameron head up that, turns good footballers into elite mm. footballers within that structure. Cause you talk about the GOAT arguments, and I can't talk of anyone sort of pre-90s, you know, solidly. Wally's the GOAT in many people's eyes, but never really, never produced the, the national championship because it was at the back end of his career. So yeah. South of the border it's, was it's a mute just argument. the guy you love to hate. But you look at any of them, none of them were as dominant at a national level in origin, you know, NRL and internationally like Cameron Smith. It depends how we gauge greatness. Because the history books are only going to give him four premierships now. Only. <laughs> but he's, he's actually got six. He's got six rings at home, right? Yeah. And like a dozen grand finals or something yeah. ridiculous. No one else comes close to that in the modern era. 
Except the you've got to go back to like the teams of Cooper the Cronk's probably close. Cooper, yeah, of course, I forgot Coops. But if uh, we're going to gauge greatness on there, you know, and it's the way they kind of judge the immortal, which is interesting. It's like how people who change the game. There are people who've changed the game. Andrew mm. Johns changed the game. You know, Wally Lewis changed the game. Cameron Smith just won more games, played more games. The problem is people, people don't like the way Cameron changed the game because it's it's controlling the ref as much as it's controlling the other team, as it's controlling the ruck, as it's controlling the flow of game. And if you're on the other side of that, it's not it's not a nice place to be. And that will be the argument because we saw when he chased down um, Nick Kotrick in the prelim, commentators saying that could be the greatest play of Cameron Smith's career. He's played 430 games of first grade, let alone test and origin. It's not easy to nail down Cameron Smith's five greatest plays. Andrew Johns and those kind of guys, they have individual highlights that are unforgettable. But that's what I think puts him on the next level is like Joey played two grand finals and you know what's his – what is – if you've got to come up with Andrew Johns' finest moment, yeah, Down the blind side, back into Darren, Darren Albert. It's off the top of your head. Origin. Yeah. Come nah. back from a broken jaw. Fiddler was the same. <laughs> but Hated him. That, that's why I think people under, you know, find it easy you to... You think un- of Freddie, it's, 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 it's him planting it's his foot in a oh, big sidestep, you know. That's why I think people are quick to underestimate Cameron's achievements because they can't pinpoint why he was so good. It's yeah. hard to actually um, describe Cameron Smith's greatness. But it is just a complete innate understanding of rugby league to the point where he can manipulate results to his team's favour, which is shown by the winning record he's had at every level. I, I just – whether you say he's the most skillful, you know, the best athlete, all that kind of stuff – you know, we under you know, call him the accountant for <laughs> just twenty years. That's what popped into my head. But here's a guy who's never been injured. How do we gauge an athlete? Yeah, well, you, def- you definitely want him running some sort of program in your club after he uh, after he stopped playing his footy. Whatever he's doing Monday to Friday, is it genetics or is it is what does he do? Sure, what is it pre and post game? Or he is predisposed and somehow it's built. Not like he's his hiding DNA. on the wing. No. He's making 50 tackles a game. And that's what I find interesting is too, even on Sunday night, I felt like in the first 15 minutes, it seemed like he was making a lot of tackles. And I thought, well, Penrith are obviously trying to – but it's the worst – I don't know if it's a tactic or not, but if you want the ruck to be any kind of speed, you run as far away from Cameron Smith as you can. Mm. Because even if he's not the most dominant – he's never probably bruised anyone, but he's always the last one up. He's always – Manipulating the position of the ruck, slowing it down. I just, I don't get the, the sentiment that Cameron Smith is not, if not the greatest, so, worth being on the podium. So put all the media hype aside. If you're Harry Grant, you're going back to the storm next year, regardless of what the media says. Like he, he's potentially just missed out on a ring to play first grade. Yeah, but he'll benefit from that. He's only young. He'll. But what I'm saying is Cameron goes, no, I'm going around again. I've got every right to. Body feels amazing. Why wouldn't I collect another million bucks for another 12 months' work? You've then got Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, Cameron Smith. Brandon stays 14. He's a good 14 regardless. And sounds like he's happy to do so because he's one of the boys and he seems like he's not going anywhere from that club. I actually think that's the hardest. I, I think it actually gets more difficult when Cameron leaves because you've got to pick your nine then. And if it's Harry Grant. But they're both playing every week. You fit them both in the 17 every week. Oh, absolutely. But it, it, it depends where Brandon Smith wants to play. Do you think Craig Bellamy lets Ego get in front of the team? Never. So it doesn't matter. It becomes it's whoever's best gets the nine. Absolutely. But if Brandon Smith senses that he's not the best choice for number nine, guess who gets more money, a starting number nine yeah, or yeah, 14? Yeah. yeah. He just doesn't come across as that no, sort of kid. No, he doesn't. Like, but at some point you've got to think, how, how is my career going to play out? Kirk, 
Kurt Gidley, you know, like, well, you know, well, even Tyron Robertson, you know, there's been so many guys who are so versatile, almost to their own detriment. You could play Brandon Smith at front row, it wouldn't matter. He does sometimes, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, but at some point, he's going to want to own a position. Mm. And it might not be at hooker. And if, and if he wants to play 13, and he could be a really good 13, then, yeah, of course. then yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I think that's the more interesting. Who's, who's the number two? Behind Cameron Smith, as it I stands. didn't see enough of Harry Grant this year to actually know how well his game's going. But you know. he's special, and he can't. He, he wouldn't. You like my work told else. me last year. He's like this Harry Grant kid, yeah. and I was like, I'm not. Who are you talking about? He's like, he's on the sunny coast. He's he's the ne- Sean artwork. Shout out, mate. You're, you 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 gave me the good oil. He was at a game, sunny coast. Now like that kid next Origin hooker, and it's like. On the sunny, what he He's might play Origin Falcons. before he plays for the Storm, <laughs> potentially. But I don't know if you're Harry Grant. He's going back to the Storm regardless next year, surely. I think so. I think he'd back himself to be. You're not going to start the Tigers and run ninth. Well, the the beauty of Harry Grant at the moment is he, if he doesn't go to the Storm, because I, I saw a story that how he got to the Tigers was like that, Harry Grant at the Titans next year. <laughs> Well, the beauty of it is his situation at the moment is he went to Craig and said, oh, I'm thinking about going to Super League for just to play some footy. And Bellamy was the one that said, well, you can play in the NRL if you want. Yeah, So right. that's how they organised the loan agreement with the Tigers. Um, and then they got Momorowski as part of that as well. But Harry Grant might be in the same situation in a month's time and be looking for a club to play number nine for. Mate, we could, we could, I could talk to you about this stuff for hours. We've we got to get into our origin time. Teams. Okay. Yep. We've been, we've been going for ages. This could, this could end up being a two-part. <laughs> we got, we're in Joe Rogan territory. We're, we've, got, we've been waffling. Give us – I, I gave you a pen and paper. Origin. Yeah, I'm excited about Origin. There are a lot of guys who are going to play Origin this year that we probably never thought would, and that's why I'm excited. It's, it's weird to Especially say, but it's probably, going to, it's probably going to get more focus than it normally does, which is hard to think about. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the next few weeks sort of plays out in amongst – a Melbourne Cup and a Masters tournament that's sneaking up on us too. I struggle to fill my 17 just because we've got so many options that I just I don't know who to put in the positions. If you can get past the first five, I'll be surprised. So I'll let you go first. The good news is it's the same curse that you Bluesers have always got. Too many players. Too many good players to pick You can up. only run out 17 guys against yeah. us. It's, you, it's the same thing. We've only got to come up with 17 good ones and you've got to try and pick which 17 and they're never any good your 17. The hard part of this for me is that given we are the reigning champs, incumbency plays a role, but I wanted to reward the guys who've played finals like we used to for kangaroo tours. But I've mostly stuck solid with our team from last year. So I'm going to, I'll just rattle off quickly the guys at Tedesco, Adokar and Whiten. They all play. I'm going to put Stephen Crichton in at centre, because I hate the fact that New South Wales always want to pick guys out of position and manufacture. For a moment, I thought about putting Isaiah Yeo in the centres, because that's something they feel, I feel like blue selectors like doing. Is but, Tommy Turbo ruled out now? Yeah, he's he's not playing. So we've got to find a new centre. So Zach Lomax had a pretty good year for the Dragons, but I want to I want to reward the guy that played a grand final. You guys aren't picking anyone from the Dragons. Um, I've got... Maybe Cam McInnes. I've got one. I'm going to, Tyson Frizzell is going to be oh, in now. Yeah, but he's not staying at the Dragons. <laughs> well, that's true. He's gone. Um, Nick Cottrick. Sorry, Azza. Nick Cottrick's mother winger. Keary and Cleary. Um, our Haas for the next 10 years. Uh, Payne Haas, Damien Cook. Got a what about the try Cleary scored on Sunday night? I don't, I'm not a fan of the kid, but wow. It was a, Good. That's, that's just like willing your team to get on. Like. Yeah, would have been great. 50 minutes earlier. Yeah. I just, he looked really strong in the last 10 minutes. I just wish he'd run the ball like that 10 minutes into the game. Mm. I don't know. I'd, yeah, anyway. Sorry. He'll learn. He'll get better. Off track. Haas. Yeah. Payne Cook. Oh, Damian Cook. Jake Trebojevic. Got to push him up to the middle because I want my man Cameron Murray. Where you got Jake? Front row. Front row. Yeah, because I want my man Cameron Murray playing 13. Mm-hmm. Boyd Cordner. Is a concern. Is this controversial? You better drop some controversy. No, on I'm going to leave him in because he's our incumbent captain as far as I'm Putting, putting an asterisk there. 
watching him play the finals made me worry about his long-term health. I, I think his heart's too well, big for his to body. To be honest, that was pretty sad because he, he lost his uh, cousin. Yeah. Like, to, through a head injury and then come out and got knocked out. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. There's... He wills himself to do things. I'm not sure his body wants to do anymore. He's he one of the bravest blokes getting around, but you know, I almost don't want to put him in the team for his own. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he won't play if he's not ready to play. No, I know, but but he'll do everything he can to play, and then yeah. you know. Um, and my bench is probably the 14 was the tricky one. I'm going to put Cody Walker in, but. Or even Cameron McGuinness, but I'm going to go with Clint Gutherson. Hang on, you've got Tedesco at one too, and he's he's still got a he's got an asterisk next to him at the moment. Has he? He's only just started running straight lines. He's fine. He's fine. We'll see. You guys wish he won't play. Hopeless that kid. Clint Gutherson, what he did in the final against South. Oh, it's funny. I still remember Clint Gutherson as the awkward manly winger from a few years ago, and I haven't watched him probably an awful lot to understand his current position. But the way he played in that final against, I think, South for 15 minutes was quite extraordinary. I'd like to see little Pappy v. AJ. Yeah, Pap. The reason I went Gutherson was he just feels any... a bit more. He could play 5'8", fullback, centre wing. Yep. Pappenhausen's probably an out-and-out fullback and maybe a... You know, you could put Gutherson at hooker if you needed to as well. Um, you got Walker, Cody Walker in there? I haven't. <sighs> oh, jeez. I went ultimate versatility. So I've gone for Nukin, Daniel Saifidi, and Isaiah Yo as my... Isaiah Yo could play the centres if something goes wrong in the outside backs as well. So, again, so many good players. Only 17 spots. That's, I've got the same problem over here. Looking to see, not, you don't believe me, do you? see who your centres are going to be. Yeah, I haven't, got, I haven't written any. them down yet. <laughs> oh, I've got AJ. Dale, Dale Copley's injured, by the way. He's not even. He's not in the squad. No. Uh, and I can't pick Holmes for the first game, so I figured this is game one. So I have, I've left Val out as well. Gene Miles ruled himself out too. Oh, is he? Mal's all right though. Mal's fit. All right, let's go. We've got uh, AJ in the one. I've got Gagai in two. I'm going to come back to three and four. I've got Sammy in five. I've got Munster in six. Uh, I think DCE and Munster pick themselves. I am tempted to throw Munster into the centres to fix our centres problem and gamble on Ben Hunt in the halves. I hope you're in charge of selections on Tuesday <laughs> night. I've watched footy for a long time and I really don't know what I'm talking about. People will work that out at some point. Uh, Papali in the eight. I'm going to go friend in the nine just because he's been stuck behind Cameron Smith for so long and I'd just like to see him get the nine just once in his career. I'm not sure he's in the greatest form, but I, I'm, I'm sure he'll do the job. Wasn't Ben Hunt your best player last in last year's series? Yeah, he had a pretty busted season this year, but didn't he? Uh, I've got Mo in the 10. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm a big fan. I yeah, think I he's going to be in our, I think he's going to be in our front row. I'm for worried you're going to pick all the Titans and they'll be busted by, we won't get it back to mid-February. No, we won't. <laughs> 11 and 12. I haven't even put them in yet. Um, I'm going to go Kafusi. From six down, you're okay. Kafusi and, um... Who else have I got here? Carrigan. Patrick Carrigan from the Broncos. And then I've got Gyro Lock. Uh, I still haven't got... So I'm going to go 14. I'm going to go Harry Grant. Call up. Ooh. Not much versatility there for your 14. You got an outside back in there as well on your bench? I don't like seeing backs on the bench. Please. They can sort it out. Your, you haven't got any backs in your starting team I haven't team got any yet. backs in the starting. I can't put any on the bench. Um... People are just shaking their heads, going, glad he's not picking. There's a couple of guys that, I, I, to be fair, I don't know him as well. Corey um, Allen's not a bad option for a wing. Cohen Hess gets a call up on the bench. I'm going to go, uh, who else we got? Tino. Tino's on the bench. And um, 
this is good podcast. This is good content. People definitely haven't switched off by now. If everyone can see the list we're uh, laying with us. Christian Welch, 17. Now, I don't know if that's in the right naming convention or what, but that's that's how it is, people. Um, and then I've any, just realised I still centers. haven't picked any centres. You don't have any centres. Your options are Kurt Capel, Brenko Lee. Before the grand final, I wouldn't have said Brenko was ready to play Origin, but I'm just going to give him... I still him probably st- think he's not ready, but you don't have any other options. You've got Xavier Coates and you've got... Um, Corey Allen from South. But he's more of a fullback, isn't he? Fullback winger. Yeah, I don't know if I'd throw him in the centres. I don't Capel's, I, I Capel's, like guy on the wing. That's why I'm Yeah, Capel's played plenty of centre. And he's not going to let you down defensively. Oh, Kurt Capewell. He's yeah, he's got a spot. You convinced me. You convinced me. Um controversy, throwing Munster into the four and Ben Hunt into the six. You heard it here first. Wow. It is controversial. <laughs> It's like you've been on the Melbourne Cup drink already. Um, we've been going for ages. I wanted to hear a bit of golf, but yeah. what do you got for us? What, what's been going on in the world of golf? We've had a few tournaments in Oz the past three weeks. We've had a WA PGA and WA Open and a Northern Territory PGA, which Aaron Pike won last weekend. So you've been virtually flying around the country? I've been virtually, yeah, conducting interviews from Kalgoorlie to Perth to Palmerston. Um, now we've got nothing. For a long time till late January. And also we've got no major events. We've got no Australian Open, no Australian PGA and no Vic Open until late next year at the earliest. And was the decision on that that we just can't get the names back into the country? There's no internationals are going to sit in a hotel for two weeks to, to come and play here? It's a domino effect of you can't get international players in which sponsors... I noticed Wade Ormsby's sitting in a hotel room at the moment in yeah, Adelaide. He's just come back from Europe. Brad Kennedy will be in a ho- – he played his first – 46 years old, played his first PGA Tour event on the weekend and did really well, and he's going to be sitting in a hotel in Sydney now for the next two weeks. Um, We've seen the UFC fighters doing that. They've been flying in and out to Abu Dhabi and then back in into hotels on the way back in. Yeah, so – yeah, it's twofold. We can't get international players to come for a couple of tournaments. But it's tough on the locals as well. And then the sponsors won't put up the money for a tournament of that stature. So it was basic. They didn't want to devalue our major events by playing them for three hundred thousand dollars instead of yeah. one point five million. So it's a shame too. One of the highlights of my sporting year last year was 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 out at Royal Pines, watching the golfers. So I, they've got the players series which is going to launch early next year, which will be tournaments in Melbourne and Sydney, which will give guys something to play. And girls, it's a guys and girls joint tournament. Um, that's a new addition to the calendar. So there hopefully will be some smaller events starting next year. Yep. But, yeah, we're looking at – and then but then we've got the Masters coming up oddly in two weeks' time. So, so who's looking good for that? Yeah, it's it, – the talk at the moment, of course, is still around. I think he was a topic of discussion last time, is Bryson DeChambeau. So he won the US Open not too long ago and on the weekend was showed a, a, his track man numbers of a – he hit a drive – carried a drive 400 yards, which the talk really around – That's golf, twice the back fence at Top Golf, right? So he hits it twice as far much, as I can hit it. Pretty much, yeah. And it's – so he's pushing the boundaries and what everyone is – there's a general sensor in golf in sensing golf at the moment that people hope he comes out and completely obliterates Augusta <laughs> because then what needs to happen will happen to make the game – Back to wooden club heads. Well, the, the simplest solution is a tool ball. So basically it's like, be like hitting a plastic ball, you know, like they'll come up with a, a model that – Pros can swing as hard as they like. It just won't carry four. It'll but carry. then who provides the tool ball? Yeah, they'll they'll someone will come up with a standard. And take, Augusta you take a lot of money out of golf by by putting them all on the. Well, side. they don't pay for balls anyway. No, but what I'm saying is that they get paid a lot of money to play with a particular ball. That's true, but if companies don't have to pay them endorsement fees, and we're still all going to buy 
the ball. Augusta could but actually. But what are they going to say? They're going to say, when I'm on the range, I hit a tight loss. <laughs> yeah, each company will. It'd be like the, the equipment. Each company will come up with their ball that can. Con- you know, oh, conforms to conforms the tool. To the, yeah, yeah, right. Um, but then you'll have ball tamp. Oh, imagine the scan. I can see the scandals already. But that, but at the moment, you're weighing in one ball. It's getting going through scrutineering, and then next minute you've got another one in his pocket. Happens with equipment at the moment. Patrick, I think it was Patrick Cantlay last year at the British Open. I had a question. Had for his actually. driver that said didn't conform. Why don't golfers? This is. I'm just completely going off topic yeah. here. Why don't golfers carry a like right handers carry a left handed club in their bag with them? You're only allowed to carry 14 total. And they don't get in those... Do you ever actually hit a six iron, though? Well... I don't. <laughs> it's my, almost my favourite club. I could, I could carry three clubs. <laughs> but what the, what the pros do is carry four wedges. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, that's where all there. That's where we, as amateurs, that's what we should be practising with as well. Yeah, because right. that's where, you know, we can all blast it down there and get near the green. It's yeah. what happens when we get there that... Turns four into six reels quick. Yeah, see, if it was me, I'd be carrying a lefty with me. Just from that time, you got to get out from around the tree. Yeah, Phil Mickelson has done, I think it was the Masters two years ago, took two drivers. Oh, yeah. So for that, you know, for set up for different reasons. So he could hit a draw with one and maybe a, a, you know, a fade with the other. Yep. So there is a bit of that, but it's mainly in the wedges that guys will have. Yeah, they'll have a pitching wedge as well and four others. So they might have six clubs in their bag that are from 100 yards and in because that's where the – That's where they're playing all their golf. But, and that's where the money's made. Well, I, we could talk all night. We'll get you back in Definitely. shortly again. But uh, on that note, I'm going to say thank you to Gripstar Socks. Did, I, did you get a set of them last time? I have, and they have transformed my running. Oh, I, yeah? Oh, I love them. They're – They've so good to run in. Oh, that's good to hear. Jolly, yeah. you'll be happy. Um, I've got a hat for you. I don't think you got a hat last time. There's a hat no, for you. Beautiful, thank you. Um, where can it? Where, where can listeners follow and f- find your work? PGA website, Australian Golf Digest magazine, and if you feel like some banter on Twitter, then I'm always up for that. Uh, as always, folks, you know where to find us. Um, please like, follow, and share. Um, Apologies, we've been a little bit intermittent lately, but we've got a few good podcasts to finish the year and uh, then we'll be back again next year. So find us on all the socials and uh, we'll see you again next week. Cheers.